Techish, hosted by Abadesi Osunsade and Michael Berhane, is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. Now, this is a podcast by two millennials talking about all things tech, pop culture, and life. I recently checked out their AI special episode where they talked about if ChatGPT is a job killer, predictions, and so much more. And like all of us, I'm still learning how to best leverage AI. So I found this episode really enlightening, and I think you might too. So listen to Tech-ish wherever you get your podcast. You're listening to Side Hustle Pro, the podcast that teaches you to build and grow your side hustle from passion project to profitable business. And I'm your host, Nikayla Matthews Okome. So let's get started. Hey, hey, friends. Welcome, welcome back to today's episode. It's Nikayla here, back with another episode with an awesome guest. Today, I'm delighted to bring in someone who I actually know in real life. That's not always the case, but I had the pleasure of knowing Nasima now for over four years, and she is just awesome. And today's episode took so many different turns because there's so much that we could talk about, right? She's a podcaster. She's actually a podcast moguls alum. She's also a nurse. And she's a full-time side hustler. She continues to be both a nurse and she's built her own platform, which we'll hear about in the episode. So let me go ahead and read her official bio so you can learn more about her before we jump into the episode. So Nasima is a published author and the founder of Financially Intentional, a platform about personal finance and living life intentionally. Nasima discusses how taking control of her finances has enabled her to overcome bankruptcy, divorce, and break the cycle of living paycheck to paycheck. She shares her lessons along her path to help others benefit from the freedoms of financial independence. Outside of encouraging people to get their financial act together, Nasima is a mother, labor and delivery nurse, and so much more. Though making six figures for years, she actually struggled with money. And I'm sure so many of us can relate to that, right? Finally, she realized that she couldn't out-earn her financial ignorance. She knew she had to make changes. And by shifting her mindset around money, being consistent and intentional, she has paid off nearly $1 million in debt and grew a six-figure net worth in three years without living in deprivation. So I thought this episode would be really helpful for those of us who are trying to balance so much and want to make sure that we are setting a good financial foundation for ourselves in the midst of working, in the midst of side hustling, and so much more. So pull out your notebooks, pull out your iPhone notes, whatever it is, and let's jump right into this episode. All right, all right. Well, welcome, welcome to the guest chair, Nasima. I'm so happy to have you here at last. Oh my God, I'm so excited to be here, Nikayla. Like for real, for real. <laughs> you know, I'm excited. And we were talking about this before in the pre-show. I I really thought Nasima was in the guest chair, you guys. I really was just tripping. Like, wait, wait where's her episode? Why, why, why can't I find the Nasima episode? <laughs> So this is long overdue because um, you are someone who I admire, I follow, I consume your content, I learn from, and I, I want everyone in the Side Hustle Pro land to know about you if they don't already. So for, I've already read your bio, but in your own words, um, how would you describe what you currently do? You know what? 
Like right now, <laughs> I'm honestly say I'm just a black woman out here, or a mama <laughs> out here trying to survive and make it. Like I'm just day to day with this. Like I'm gonna keep yes. it 100 because that's the only way I know how to be. If you ever, yeah, like no, if you know me in real life, you know I'm just real. I'm from West Oakland. Uh, <laughs> I uh, have I've lived a life, and right now I'm just in a season of you know, going entering into being a third time girl mom. And exactly like uh, just really leaning into what I need to do in the moment. Mm -hmm. And in the moment Mm -hmm. right now, it's all about preparing for baby number three, but being blessed in the fact that I have set some things in place for the last couple of years that has put me in a position where I can just do what I want to do when I want to do it. Absolutely. I love that. I love that. That's what we strive for here. So tell us now, when did you get into nursing? Why did that become your initial career path? Actually, it was my second career. So, um, and it's heck of funny. I'll tell you this story, Nikayla, you're going to crack up. So um, I always wanted to be in healthcare. I grew Mm -hmm. up with a single dad, which is very rare, right? But we were always on this cusp of like, having too much money to like qualify for like welfare programs or anything, but like not having enough to like get by really. So we were always like in struggle mode. And when I was growing up in the eighties and nineties, I had asthma really, really bad. My dad didn't believe in Western medicine. So he would wait until the very last minute. So I grew up going to Chinatown and doing herbal and stuff, but he would wait until the last minute until my asthma exacerbations were really, really bad to take me Uh to a community clinic where then we would have to wait for hours and hours and hours and hours to get medication, which if you can't breathe, (laughs) I have asthma too. So I'm already just like, you know, I know exactly how you feel. I know exactly, exactly how that feels. Exactly. And so like, I just saw how broken the system was and I wanted to be a part of that. And as a kid, you don't know all the ranges of options of healthcare. And so I wanted to be a pediatrician because I was like, okay, a kid's doctor can fix this, right? And so I went into USC. I went to University of Southern California and I started taking my pre-med classes. And then I actually learned what doctors did. And no shade to doctors, but I really wanted to affect the whole healthcare system and how, you know, and enable more access to people who had limited access. And so I was like, that's not really what doctors do. And I'm really not feeling this organic chemistry. So let me look the course catalog and see what I could do. And I ended up um, landing in healthcare administration, got a master's in healthcare administration, and then, you know, saw the bureaucracy behind the healthcare system and learned all these things. And I wasn't really affecting change. But what happened was I was working with nurses that had so much autonomy and Mm -hmm. they, they were really there with the patients. And I was like, that's what I want to do. And they have so much autonomy. I was like, you know what? I'm single. I'm about to get my nursing degree, move to Dubai, be a princess. (laughs) Listen, I had this all planned out. Okay. Listen, I'm like, I'm about to be like a princess fourth wife because I feel like the first and second wives have a lot of obligation. The fourth (laughs) wife, you might have to have like one baby, but you don't really got to do nothing. I can have a driver or chauffeur and stuff. And I can still be a nurse and have all this autonomy. Girl, I have all this. You had it all figured out. 
girl. I was so what like, happened? I had a baby. Uh. <laughs> no, I ended up working as a nurse in the San Francisco Bay Area where we make more money than most nurses in the world. And so, mm-hmm. like, for me to travel to even internationally, it didn't make financial sense. Then had a baby and kind of settled down and got into yep. this life. And so stayed here. You know, this is my home. My family is here. Kind of got comfortable, but love <laughs> nursing. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. And so, yeah, so it was my second career. That's but how I that... really, really loved it. And I wish I was, I started as a nurse. Like really? I tell anybody, be a nurse. Yes. Yeah, be a nurse. Yes. Listen, you need to talk to my mom <laughs> because she, um, so I'm one of three daughters and one son, fun fact. And she is a nurse and she mm-hmm. just tried her hardest to make one of us <laughs> a nurse. And because it just didn't work out. Was it just, she was she, like, it's good money. Up. She was like, it's guaranteed work. Listen, <laughs> all of y'all who are considering a second career or first career, look into nursing. Yes. <laughs> now, you, you talk a lot about your journey of paying mm-hmm. off $1 million in debt. And yes. every time I, I listen to this and, and see that headline, I'm like, please break this down for me. Like, how? How did yeah. that amount of debt come to be? You know what's crazy, Nikayla, is that as I was going on this journey of paying off debt, I I didn't add up in the back end like how much total yeah. I had paid off until mm. I was applying to go to my league's retreat. Okay. And I, <laughs> Fun fact, that's where we met for the first time at the My Taught You Retreat. I can't believe it's yes. been four years. Oh, yeah. it's been a long time. But this is where the first retreat because I went to both of them. So oh, okay, I was okay, sitting down and I was like, let me just talk about like my journey a little bit. Let me add up these numbers. And that's mm-hmm. when I, I had finished paying off everything, including my house. And I'll, I'll break down what the million dollars in debt was. But I was like, yeah. oh, this is damn near a million dollars. This is about to be a hitter headline. You know what I'm <laughs> I'm really doing something out here, but how it really started was, you know, I was a single mom. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew I was going to be a single mom, but a year, like when my daughter was turning a year old, I had been making really good money as a nurse. I had two jobs. I had like a part-time benefited job and then a full-time, I'm not and like, and then like a per diem kind of job. And so I was making like over $200,000 a year. And I've always been that person, Kayla, that everybody thought made it because I always know how to make money. So mm-hmm. I was Instagram popping, you know, I had the brand new <laughs> house, I have a luxury car, you yep. know, I'm out here doing it, but I know like I'm broke. Like I had mm-hmm. to put 36 windows in my house and I had to ask my what? sister for some money. And I was like, what? <laughs> not 36 windows, but blinds Something on the windows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was just like, this don't make no sense. Like I make too much money to be broke. But mm-hmm. then I always thought like in order to understand finances, you really need to like study finances, like PhD yep. level study. And yep. because I thought, you know, learning about money was like learning how to trade and like being on the stock market floor, like trading places, <laughs> understanding all of that. Right, right, right. But it really wasn't about that. It's really about being intentional about what's coming in and going out. But mm-hmm. who taught me that? Nobody taught me yeah. that. Everybody was always like, you know, do what you need to do by any means necessary. Go to the best school, get that job, whatever. And so for everybody, it seemed like I had it together, but I knew in my heart mm-hmm. I didn't. And so I was like, hey, this seemed like for the first time in your life, you're not in school. <laughs> so sit down and actually start learning about finances. And the way that I learned about finances was like, 
I changed my social media to only follow accounts like debt-free accounts and things that would inspire me. Mm-hmm. I listened to personal finance podcasts. I read a ton of personal finance books. But not only did I do that, I took action every day to make sure I was doing something small to change mm-hmm. the way I looked at money. And the biggest things that I learned how to do was to learn how to actually budget in advance, like tell my money where to go in advance. Because before, mm-hmm. like I couldn't tell you what I spent my money. I'm like, I don't mm-hmm. know how I was so broke. Yeah. You know, so I learned how to tell my money what to do in advance. And then I created a system to strategically pay off my debt because, you know, what most of us do is we pay all our, our bills. And then sometimes if we have something left over at the end of the month, we'll put a little bit of something towards right. that thing. And usually it's sporadic. It's like whatever the mm-hmm. thing that catches. And that attention. never works out because like you'll exactly. always find something. Your money will always find something to do with itself. So exactly. you're counting on the leftover for your savings. <laughs> It's just not a good plan. Exactly. So I went from, you know, basically having no savings to being able mm-hmm. to pay off like four to $9,000 a month in debt. Wow. Just because I had a plan. Well, uh-huh. before, before you tell us that, what mm-hmm. did the debt consist of? So the debt consisted of just your normal things. So mm-hmm. it was a loan to put a down payment on a house. So I borrowed against my 403B to put a down payment on my house. It was a car because I lived in the suburbs now and I was driving an hour. So I needed a commuter car on top of my regular car. Um, And then it was just like little small things. And in this process, I'll tell you, I got married and got a divorce. So it was his debts too, because I focused on a debt snowball system. So it was the smallest debts to the largest debts and most of it. And then I had... $187,000 $187,000 with student loans. Cause when mm-hmm. I decided to become a nurse, leave healthcare administration to be a nurse, yeah. I went back to school and that was the majority of my loans because for six years for undergrad and grad, I had like $40,000, but the way that I um, went to nursing school, I had a lot of debt. So it was almost $200,000 mm-hmm. in student loan debts. So I put that all in a debt snowball. He had little debts, collections, cars, those things. And then I had like my little debts plus my student loans, which made up the majority mm-hmm. of the debt. And so yeah. just working through debt by debt. And the way that the debt snowball works is you focus intentionally on one debt. And if you're mm-hmm. really honed in onto one goal and then you meet that goal, it really gives you momentum to go on to the next thing. And the debt snowball really works because it works on emotion. So the whole premise mm-hmm. is we don't math our way into debt. We get into debt mm-hmm. based on emotions. And that's the way uh. that we have to get out of debt. And so I would knock out, like focus, throw every single dollar towards one debt while paying the minimum balances on everything else. Once that debt was knocked out, then you go to the next debt and you have now that minimum payment that you used to pay on that to put doors this debt. So you pay it off faster and faster and faster and it all snowballs. Well, like I said, I got married, went through a divorce and like by the end of like me paying off debt, (laughs) two things, really big things happened. Of course I went through a divorce and because of the way that I had to file, I ended up owing the IRS $30,000 and because (laughs) I was a breadwinner (laughs) in the marriage and I live in California, which is community property state, even though the reason why I got a divorce, because I had an abusive husband that was actually in jail for hitting, (laughs) for abusing me. I still had to pay him. So at the end, I had about $20,000 left of student loan debt. I had like the IRS debt and I had $30,000 
his debt that I had to pay to him. And so it was about $50,000 worth of debt. I decided to sell my house because I relocated somewhere else. And so that was about $500,000 left of the debt. And so all of that added up to 978,000 something, nearly a million dollars in debt. Whoa, whoa, whoa. (laughs) And I mean, yeah, like quickly, if you, you know, sometimes we hype up what a million is, right? A million is an equation, you know? And yes. if you have one loan for 200000 you have a house loan, you know, mortgage for this amount, like multiple six-figure debts, and boom, there you got it. There um, you go. So it's not, as, <laughs> it's not as crazy as it sounds, but that's why I wanted exactly. to break it down because sometimes that can exactly. seem like, oh, that will never happen to me. So how did you get the extra to pay that off? Was that through side hustling or just cutting back? It was really about being intentional. And that's why my platform is called Financially Intentional because actually through this process, like I said, it was stuff going down in my life, obviously. You know, (laughs) like, so I was working my two jobs, but I still had to navigate between getting married, having a husband, then not having husband. So not Mm -hmm. having the support there and a whole bunch of things. So I actually did not work more. I did not have a side hustle. I literally at that time, just had, yeah. yeah, at that time, I literally just had to hone in on my goals and just zero-based budgeting. I'm telling you, just zero-based budgeting and intentionally setting a plan towards my debt. So when I created my budget, my debt goal was always at the top. That was the thing that I always wanted to hit first. And I adjusted my budget mm-hmm. around that. And that made all the difference for me to be able to pay off my debt really fast. Mm -hmm. It wasn't any extra income. So a lot of times what you need to do is increase the gap between your spending and your earning. The gap, all I did was was widen that gap by being intentional on how I spent my money. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, no, I did not earn more at that point. And I did not actually start documenting this journey and start on my side hustle until my journey was almost over. Okay. I think this is so inspiring too, because you, you know, you guys listening, you may not have a million in debt, but there may be student loan debt or even any amount of debt that's holding you back from doing certain things. You might think once I pay this off, then I'll invest in my side hustle. Or once I do this, then I'll take this trip that I've always wanted to. And I think your story shows that, yes, you can focus on this and there is light at the end of the tunnel and you'll be able to start working on these dreams. I'm not thankfully in any debt. I paid off my student loans a few years ago. Me and my husband both paid off our student loans. And now I'm just trying to optimize what I do with my money, what I tell my money to do. (laughs) And I know many of us might be in that situation. So when you did start Financially Intentional, how did you go about it? And what was your goal then once you created an official side hustle? So this side hustle was very unintentional. So what happened was (laughs) once I was going on this journey of like really understanding finances for the first time in my life, like I said, everybody thought I had it figured out, but I hadn't. Mm -hmm. I was having like a slumber party. So I have a group of friends. We've been friends from like 12 years old, middle school, all of that stuff. So we were just kicking out of my house. We were having a slumber party. We have girls. All of us have girls. There's like a couple of boys sprinkled in there. (laughs) 
I was like, Man, you guys really need to know this information. And so I was like, if I put this in, like in a public forum, like Instagram just starting, really, I was like, will mm-hmm. you guys like listen to it? Because I hate repeating myself. I'm going to just put everything <laughs> that I'm doing out there and then you guys follow it. So it was just yep, supposed yep. to be like this form that I use to show exactly what I was learning Mm-hmm. And share it with my friends. And then okay. it just started getting traction. And then, you know, so Financially Intentional was kind of born as a brand from mm-hmm. like people just asking me, like, can you help me on right. this journey? Very reluctantly. And first it was just me, like, <laughs> you know, sharing my story on, yep, yep. Um, you know, different media outlets. Like it got picked up by, you mm-hmm. know, different podcasts and different things. And I was asked to speak at different places. So then um, like, so. I got receipts all the way back to like 2016 when I first started. And it was just really about sharing and tracking my journey and then having like some accountability around it. Yeah. And then um, in about 2018, around when I was having my second daughter, I was like, maybe I should monetize this a little bit. And, you know, I'll always listen to your podcast. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> How many years in were you at this point? Were, that was two years in then, right? So that was after said- I had paid off all my debt. And I was yeah. more like not part of like debt free, but like discovering financial independence. Okay. And so I was transitioning and I was like, okay, so, I mean, I have all this debt stuff, budgeting and stuff down now I'm, mm-hmm. I'm going into this world and where i want to start investing and growing my wealth but i want to share along the way because now i have tackled all of these things successfully so listening right. to your show i was like okay well how can i turn this into a business and yep. then you know i reached i started like taking courses like i started with danielle leslie's course from you yeah. and you know what it's crazy she literally well, lived crazy. across the street from me. Ah! Did you just bump into each other? I never never ran into her in real life. (laughs) She literally lived across the street from me. I'm like, you know, I'm taking you off course, but I'm like, literally, like, right across the street, like, our windows get like, look at each other. It was like, hell of a But anyway, I was like, uh, I started taking courses and started formalizing a business, had a baby, started a podcast, like, did all these things and, like, kind of grew, but knew that. You know, my passion is still in nursing because the entrepreneur right. side, let me tell you something. This is hard, okay? I can yes, go to work, deliver a baby, have an emergency, <laughs> and ride on what? the bed, back to the OR, do all that kind of stuff. And that check but is coming regular. <laughs> and it's a nice check because if I stay over five minutes, I'm getting paid probably what more most people get paid in the exactly. year. You know, <laughs> I, it's, it's a good check. I make a good it's amount a good of money check. as a nurse. So it's mm-hmm. really, really hard to want to go into like full-time entrepreneurship, even though yeah. I know I could. It's yeah. just like, I'm still very passionate about nursing. And mm-hmm. so like when people are like on this full-on grind and a lot of nurses are on this thing right now because a lot of burnout and all this kind of stuff yeah. right now that's going into nursing. I'm like, hold on, pump your brakes. Like, Nursing <laughs> is still nursing really lucrative. There are listen, so many things you can do. You don't if have to I was be at the nurse, bedside. I would definitely still be side hustling. I, I don't think I would leave that nursing. <laughs> I don't think I would leave that nursing check. But you raise such an important point about side hustling. Like you have options. You have options yes. when you side hustle. Like all this money that you do make can go completely to your investments if you want. 
and completely yes. to all your side projects, building out the business, testing, exploring. I mean, is that how you look at it? Like now that I you look at it like that, totally. And the thing yeah. is, and to keep it real, Nikayla, like a lot of my money that I'm making, my business goes back into my business, mm-hmm. and I can I can make a lot of money. But the thing is, yeah. To run a successful business, there's a lot that has to go into training. I'm not an entrepreneur, so I invest yeah. a lot into making sure my systems are good, making sure I yeah. understand how to run a business. So let me tell you something. If I didn't have a side hustle, I'd probably be able to retire. <laughs> but but yeah, what I have done, I know has made is making such a great impact. Mm-hmm. I continue to do it. And so, you know, just the real side of side hustling mm-hmm. sometimes is that. It's not as like golden as most people think. Like the entrepreneurial mm-hmm. world is really, really hard, mm-hmm. but I'm able to learn and grow and explore in ways. And I've been open to so many opportunities just because yes. I opened up this like area that I did not even know existed. Right. And so I love the fact that I'm a side hustler, you know, yes. because I, I'm telling you like, the world of opportunity that has been open to me just because I shared my story and did it imperfectly is like, it's phenomenal. It's amazing. And you raise another important point that I just want to stop and highlight right here, which is sometimes your gifts are multiple. Like we, we, we are multi-passionate people and just because you have this talent in this area that you start as a side hustle, it doesn't mean you have to let go of something that is this God-given talent. You were you were meant to bless women in the work that you do. I see the work that you do on social media and you talk about Black maternal health and your lens and what you have experienced and what you're able to share. Sometimes... With lawsuits, <laughs> you know, as a result. <laughs> so, you know, sometimes with consequences, it's going to bless so many people. So I just hope that you guys are getting what I'm trying to say, which is just basically that sometimes you are meant to be in both pa- both places. I don't know for how long. I don't know what that looks like, but your path and your journey will show you that. Yes, yes, most definitely. And the thing is, is that, listen, okay, this last, like, promotion I'm going to give for nursing, but... <laughs> Nursing is the ultimate side hustle. I mean, like the ultimate so, job to have if you side hustle. And okay. like, it why is do you like say that? Cheat code because you're always going to be in demand. Mm-hmm. AI cannot replace you. <laughs> um, there's so many things you can do if you're not passionate yeah. about one area. There's so many areas you can explore. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like you can make it work for you where you can make a good amount of money so that if you want to take three months off yes. and then have, you know, work for three months and then do it again or travel right. the world or do whatever, use your job to pay you to travel the world. Yeah, you can. There's so many opportunities if you just explore them that mm-hmm. it's almost like one. Of, it's one of those jobs that you don't have to retire from because mm-hmm. It can be a passion project, but you just have to be able to be willing to explore that. And a lot of times some people are always looking for quick fixes. And so they think Mm -hmm. entrepreneurship, I don't know why (laughs) it's like a a quick quick fix. fix. But yeah, like, and the thing is, is that 
what I have learned, the biggest lesson I've learned about financial independence is that it's not about reaching this number or reaching this ultimate goal. It's like every debt that you pay off, every investment that you make unlocks a level of freedom in your life to where you Mm -hmm. take control, that much more control over your life in order to make whatever you're doing to produce income work for you. And it's just about that intentionality and saying that, I am going to make a choice to Mm -hmm. reverse my relationship with money so that money is working for me. (laughs) (laughs) I just saw that little hand behind you. You guys, you have to check out this episode on YouTube because I was like, wait, wait, there's a hand growing out of her head. No, no, we have a guest. (laughs) We have a guest star. My oh daughter my is gosh. always going to be, my little sidekick is always going to be yes. in the background, no matter how long we have <laughs> before the episode on how she's supposed to act. She, uh, like, she does good for a little while. How old is she, she now? I remember when she was girl. a baby. Oh my baby, gosh. Wow. Yes. Time flies. So yes, this was the biggest plug show ever for nursing. Uh, but <laughs> and it's nurses week, so it's only it's right. this week when we're recording this. Uh, one of the things too is that no matter if it's nursing or whatever, you have to make sure that you're in a job that is going to allow you to side hustle. If you decide to go on this path, you have to be realistic. One of my friends, we always joke because there was one time I was giving a talk at you know our alma mater and I said something like, oh, you know, of course, if you want to be a management consultant, you might not be able to side hustle. And she was like, I'm going into management consulting. (laughs) And I was like, well, girl, (laughs) we have to be real about this. All right. You you can do that for a few years, but then you got to move over to like a tech job or something where you can have a little more flexibility because Mm -hmm. uh, the full time job does matter too. the um And and the last thing I'll say about that is I remember when I was working um, at my last job before this. Um, Y'all know what it is. I won't mention it because of the nature of this story. (laughs) But I remember someone, you know, sent me this role like, oh, we think you'll be great for this. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 I can't take this role. This role sounds like I'll be doing a lot more work. (laughs) And like, I'm I'm just trying to lay low and side hustle. So you got to sacrifice sometimes and say, all right, I'm not going to, you know, not not that you're not giving all you, you can at work, but you have to do a kind of job that allows you to do all you can and still have Mm -hmm. some energy for your side hustle. So let's talk about how you actually worked at that though, how you actually juggled the Mm -hmm. two, because it's tough. It's still tough. It's still long hours when you do go into the office. So how were you able to do that juggle? Well, the thing is, is that with being a nurse, like it's easy to like, once you're off, you're off. Right. And so Mm -hmm. I don't have to bring that work home with me. Mm -hmm. And I don't, you know, in all honesty, (laughs) you know, work-life balance, you know, kind of thing is, is a, is a farce, you know, I have, I have kids, I'm a single mom. And so, you know, I just make it work and I do what I can. Um, and the thing is, is that, um, it just has worked so far that, um, I schedule just certain days where I do the work mm-hmm. and what gets done gets done. What doesn't get done doesn't get done. And I don't <laughs> put too much pressure on myself to do mm-hmm. it. You know, I have time for where I'm like learning. I'm going to 
um, conferences. I'm in masterminds. Yeah. I do all those things, but I just make it work around my lifestyle. And we all have mm-hmm. the same 24 hours in a day. And it's yeah. just, again, be about being intentional with your time, but also knowing mm-hmm. when there's times to like pull back and rest. Like I'm totally yes. in that mode right now, Yes. but I just, I just make it work. But I think like, like you said, I have a job where I can totally separate from that when I leave. Mm-hmm. And so when I leave, like, in my commute, I'm like consuming content so that I can share. A lot of mm-hmm. my videos you'll notice are in my car. <laughs> I didn't <laughs> oh even notice that. I didn't even notice it was mostly in your car. A lot of them in my car. Uh, I thought you were sitting commute. stationary. I gotta look again now. Girl, my car <laughs> drives itself. So I can put it <laughs> That's such a big comment. I feel like the big y'all are, y'all are the most, you know. Oh yeah, y'all, oh, we got y'all we the, got the first and and the most. I, I can't even speak correctly, but you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, we're on it. Like like I, I work it. in the city a city where Tesla is created. Like where the Tesla factory is. Of course, so, like, at my job parking lot, all you see is Teslas, and so we yes. we be flexing on our auto drive yes. out here. So. <laughs> Companies are under pressure right now. Pressure to get more leads, close deals faster, and get better insights to create the best experience for customers. A CRM can help, but not just any CRM, one that is easy to set up, intuitive to use, and customizable to the way you do business. That's where HubSpot comes in. HubSpot CRM is easy for everyone to use on day one, and it helps teams be more productive. Drag and drop your way to attention-grabbing emails and landing pages. Set up marketing automation to give every contact white glove treatment. Plus, AI-powered tools like Content Assistant mean less time spent on tedious manual tasks and more time for what matters, your customers. HubSpot CRM has all the tools you need to wow prospects, lock in deals, and improve customer service response times. Get started for free today at HubSpot.com. All right, y'all, it's 2023, so I know that you've either started or are thinking about starting a podcast. And if you have thought about starting one, deep down inside, you're probably hoping that you'll be able to make money or get more customers for your business, right? Well, I'm here for it. It's totally doable. I started my podcast in 2016. I've grown it to over 9 million downloads and was able to quit my job and work full-time as a podcaster with the money I make from podcasting. And I want to show you how to do it. So register at podcast moguls.com for my next free masterclass. And I'll be teaching you what you need to know before you launch your show, a quick and easy way to grow your show fast and how to actually make money from podcasting and how to set yourself up to get there. So again, register at podcastmoguls.com and I will see you in class. So your side hustle started out one way, I feel like, from Mm -hmm. watching and observing Mm -hmm. your journey. You know, you were talking about the fire movement and Mm -hmm. it shifted to so much more than that. So tell us a little more about your interpretation of fire movement. So um, FIRE is the acronym for Financially Intentional, Financially Intentional, Financially Independent, (laughs) Retire Early. I always flip those. Um, and it's, it's, it's less more about the retire early part, Mm -hmm. but in making work optional and having Mm -hmm. options right now about how you look at work, but it totally shifts your perspective because I don't know about you, Nikayla, but I'm quite sure. Cause I'm, I kind of know your story, but you know, we're taught 
that, you know, you go to school, you get a job, you work that job forever. Yep. It shifts that paradigm to say that you can work put away a certain amount of money and now mm-hmm. you can do whatever you want to do. You can work on yes. your passion or, you know, you can work, but mm-hmm. if somebody is, you know, messing with you, you could throw the deuces at any time. Like I, <laughs> like, I love right. to do. Right. <laughs> yes, yes. I love Those are some of my favorite stories. You got to go over to her Instagram, Financially Intentional, and she has shared her stories of quitting or having to Listen. speak out and get fired. And guess yeah. what? She still bounces right back on her feet right with another that. nursing and, job. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's about that option. And that mm-hmm. was a total mindset shift to me. And that didn't come until after I paid off my debt. And I know you're mm-hmm. good friends with Jamila. Um, And so throughout my journey, we were friends too. And then, you know, she started really talking about the fire content and I really got into fire um, because of her. And I was just like, man, like, so what do you mean? Like, I don't have to work forever. Like, I'm not chasing this corporate ladder. Like, I'm just making sure I have enough say and invested Mm -hmm. so that, you know, in a couple of years, I don't have to work if I don't want to. Like, that's a whole new paradigm shift for me. And like being able to share that. But what has actually happened is, is that that has freed up a lot of things in me to be able to talk about um, generational wealth. So I talk about, Mm. you know, how my kids are investing and how they learn about money and how like I'm putting them in a financial position, not to be spoiled, because let me tell you, my kids work hard now. Like they work for me. Um, But so that they can opt out of a lot of the bullshit that we had to go through Mm -hmm. because we weren't in a financial position or our parents weren't in a financial position for us to do what we or just didn't even know. Exactly. Because a lot of the information is gate kept. A lot of the information is gate kept and and breaking it down to a level where my my nine-year-old daughter will tell you all about investing and she doesn't even understand when adults don't understand how to invest because she's like, it's really that simple. You know? <laughs> she was, she, she was I just clown. picture her like, saying that. Yes, she yes. was clown. Like she, like, her what don't you understand? <laughs> girl, her and my stepmom got into it all the time. And she was like, my stepmom's like, you don't understand. Like, you only know this because of your mom. And she's just like, well, I don't just understand why you just don't get it. Right. <laughs> That's how they think. But anyway, yeah. but setting them up for, you know, building wealth and being in a position to be able to opt out of a lot of stuff. I yes. actually have been fortunate to have a platform where I can speak openly about maternal health issues and uh, mm-hmm. speak openly about the things that have happened in my job and that I've witnessed that has affected black maternal health and like actually giving people viable like solutions like how do we address this situation and being Mm -hmm. able to highlight other platforms that help you know black women in this situation but it has morphed into just an opportunity for me to be able to affect change in a way that I couldn't have done it just as a staff nurse, you know, but because I can speak about these things and not have to worry about my money. Um, (laughs) I do. And because I'm one of those people, like I said, I just keep it real. Like oftentimes my mouth can get me into trouble that my money can back me up out. (laughs) (laughs) It's needed. It's needed. This information is needed. 
So when it comes to FIRE, so essentially you're putting money in the investment account where the returns, the percentage returns, which I believe you target 4%, right? Mm -hmm. um, then, you know, once you have a certain amount, the returns that you'll get each year will cover, is it your minimum lifestyle or just your ideal lifestyle? Like what you depends on what you're going for, right? Yeah. So there are different kinds of FIRE. There's like fat yeah. FIRE, lean FIRE, coast FIRE. Um, barista fire. Oh, so there's other <laughs> I mean, like Google, like, but the yeah. thing is, is that it should cover a portion of your expenses right now. So right now I'm on maternity leave. So I, I was very intentional before I went out and like cut my mm -hmm. expenses down to be able to like live off of a minimum amount of money without having to worry about bringing in extra mm -hmm. money from my business. Because yeah. if I don't feel like shooting content for a brand, right. if I don't feel like putting a podcast out, I don't want to have to do that. Yeah. And so it's about like understanding in that moment or in the future, what your expenses are going to be at that time and having investments mm -hmm. be able to cover that. Investments are sources of income to be able to cover that. So yeah, that's what it's about. So traditionally you want to look at it like this. So so your fire number is going to be 25 times your expenses. And so if you know it takes you like $40,000, we like to use that example because it's easy to multiply mm -hmm. by 25. But if you know your expenses, your living expenses, transportation, all that stuff, it's $40,000 a year. You want to have 25 times that, which is a million dollars in investments or savings. And then according to the safe withdrawal rate, which is 4%, mm -hmm. You can take $40,000 a year off of those investments to live off of without having to generate any other income. And so that's how FIRE works. But there's different levels. If you know mm -hmm. that you're getting, like I live in California, so I get state disability. If you know mm -hmm. that your state disability is going to be a couple thousand dollars a month, then that's less that you need to put into that number. You know, mm -hmm. so like it's just different ways to factor into yes. um, those things. But and, and that's to say that you can reach different levels of fire or you don't have to com be completely like at your fire number to be able to unlock levels of freedom in your life where you don't have to necessarily trade time for money. Now. As someone who lives in a very expensive city, um, I also live in, I, you know, I live in New York City. You live in um, San Francisco uh, or Oakland. Which one are you in now? Are you? Well, I live like in a suburb, like East. In the suburb. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Still the Bay, right? Um, the Bay, yeah. What does cutting back look like for you as like someone who's side hustling? You know, you're working full time as a nurse, but you're also cutting back. What does cutting back look like when you are in an expensive city? Really, it's just like getting your income in check. So the two biggest things mm -hmm. that you're going to usually have in your budget is your housing expenses and your transportation expenses. Yes. For me, I try to minimize those expenses. So before I went on maternity leave, like I paid off my Tesla. Like I don't have a car, no. That was $1,100 a month. That's a lot of money, right? Yeah. So yeah. that's done, right? I always make it so my housing expenses are way less than 30% of my income. And mm -hmm. a lot of people is like, that's impossible in the Bay Area. But what I always do is, even if I'm renting, I always find a place where I have an extra room where I can rent that out. 
if okay. I need to. And I rent it out to travel nurses or nurses okay. that I work with. Cause a lot of nurses, even if they're not travel nurses, they're staff nurses, but they live in like Georgia, Florida, mm. Canada, even they come down mm-hmm. here and they want a place to stay and nurses yes. come and they they work, they're quiet, their background check, their screen, yeah. I have kids in my house. So they don't bother me. Actually, they become part of my family. Oh, um, that's, that's so smart. Like, is there a yeah. website just to, to rent to travel nurses? Because if I could is. just do that, I'm like, okay, no. I trust that. I trust that. Okay. You got to tell there us is. that link. Like, no, no, it's, it's, it's Furnish Finders. So Furnish, Furnish Finders. Finders. Okay. Yeah, and then they have like a section just for travel nurses. But also oh. there's like Facebook groups that are just travel nurses mm-hmm. looking for housing. And you can post in there. But yes. usually it's word of mouth because once mm-hmm. one travel nurse knows or if somebody, I'm a nurse, so I work as yeah. if a staff, you know, they need somewhere to stay, they're going to come stay with you. So it's really not that mm. hard to find really reliable people. And like I said, most people stay with me for months or years even. Wow. And so that almost, that's like a third or more of my housing costs. So that's cut down. And then what me, what gets me and what gets most people is like those little things that you spend a hell of money on that you don't need to spend money on. <laughs> like when you go to Target or you go grocery shopping. Or you Listen, go I knew you were like, going to try to come for me like this. I knew you were going to start talking about this. <laughs> Like you really have to like, so I had to put that budget in check. Like, do mm-hmm. I need to go to Target? Like, yeah, I'd be like making up any reason to go to Target, and it's really bad. <laughs> like, do I really need to go to Target, or do right. we really gotta eat out like today? Like, my kids don't even eat. Like, for real, for real. <laughs> so, like, why are we going to this restaurant? Like, so right. just so I could be like, I want to eat something good and spend hella money. Yeah. Like, it's like checking those expenses and like really like getting that number like how much does it really take for you to live every month and the thing is Nikayla if you ask most people they really cannot tell you how much they spend every Mm -hmm. month and I know that's so true that's so true I had to get we had to get ourselves in check uh, with that too (laughs) like I mean (laughs) Moya was always asking me like you know he wants to fill out the spreadsheet I'm like no leave me alone Just give you a number. (laughs) He's like, just give me a number. (laughs) (laughs) Because when you face the number, when you face the number, that's when you, you know, you really have to come to terms with how much you spend on certain things, you know, but it's good because once you have that, you can then do all these calculations you need, right? Like the, okay, what would 25 times my income look like and all of our expenses and all this other stuff. And the thing is, it's not about deprivation. Like, it's like, I really didn't need those things in Target, but I spend a lot of money on the things that I'm passionate about, like my car. Like, I'm very passionate (laughs) about that. So I adjust my budget to spend on that. Vacations. Like, my Mm -hmm. kids have been to Disneyland and Great Wolf Lodge so much. Like, we have towers of ears. I love, yeah, that's a category (laughs) that I have to have in my life as well. Um, And, you know, this conversation is definitely taking more of a financial turn than we expected, but I, I still love it because I feel that a lot of times when we start side hustling and we have this now, this discretionary income, if we're not careful, you can blow that instead of being able to do so much more with it. Mm-hmm. It's called lifestyle inflation. But oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> lifestyle inflation. 
Yes, yep. keeping that number in check. Like if you know you can't spend more than five thousand dollars a month, yeah, you figure out what you're passionate about to spend that money on, and then mm-hmm. you don't feel like you're deprived. So that's how I yeah. that's how I've done it in different stages of life. And there's times where yeah, yeah. you know I do ball out, but being able to rein in that money is yes. and that spending is what's important. And before we get into the lightning round, I love if you could touch on disability insurance a little bit more mm-hmm. um, because you you had a great episode on it and I'll link to it where you touch on you might have great insurance and you might have awesome benefits from your job but never rely solely on what your job gives you for any of these categories so you take out of course California has state right but then you take mm-hmm. out your own personal disability insurance like how do you go about yes, that yes yes so it's always important, just like anything else, life insurance, mm-hmm. anything, to have your own policies in place. Yeah. And what I like to do, and let me tell you, there's a lot of scammers in this industry, so be very <laughs> careful. That's part of what makes it intimidating, honestly. It's like, who do I trust? Who do exactly. I trust with sharing what I make and, you know, looking inside my books and all this other stuff? That is mm-hmm. the thing that intimidates me sometimes. You hear so many horror stories and you honestly, you don't know these people, right? Right. When you're looking for a financial advisor or somebody who mm-hmm. um, is doing insurance for you, you want to yeah. look for somebody who is um, independent for, for, for like, okay. So on my podcast, I work with Aquania Escarne and she's, mm-hmm. she's in the personal finance space too, but she yes. is an independent licensed insurance agent, meaning that she's not tied to any one company. So her mm-hmm. interest is always going to be to get you the best rate period. Mm -hmm. When you look for financial advisors or somebody to help you with your finances, you want to work with somebody that is a fee only like fiduciary advisor. And fiduciary means that they are only like they are licensed to only work in your best interest. And you would think that all licensed agents are fiduciaries, but they're not. And mm. the fee only just means that, okay, like you're sitting down for a session, you're going to pay them like $300 for a session, and then they're going to put together a plan specifically for you. Oftentimes mm-hmm. you'll get financial advice for free or somebody yeah. will set up insurance thing, um, policy for you for free. It's not free. Their best interest is getting the highest commission for themselves. And so they'll put you in a policy for them that mm-hmm. pays them in the front end. So there's a lot of policies mm-hmm. out there that uh, like they're incentivized to sell you because they make a lot of money, almost 50% of the premiums that you put up front. Wow. Um, so like as far as disability insurance, you're guaranteed <laughs> to get hurt at a job. Like life yeah. insurance, like you're going to die or whatever. We're guaranteed to die. But like most people are injured in some kind of way where they can't do their job or they have to Mm -hmm. go out for a pregnancy or whatever. Right. And so disability insurance is something that you that you can get through your job, but you Mm -hmm. also want to have a separate policy in place just in case like you lose that job. Something happens. They change their benefits every year. You don't know how it applies. And so I have state disability insurance. I have disability insurance, long-term disability insurance through my job. And I also have long-term disability insurance on my own. And I've Mm -hmm. had that in place for years. And the way that it's working right now with my maternity leave is that 
Um, I'm high risk. I'm 42 (laughs) or I'll be 42 on Monday. And so I had to go out of work early. So um, with my long-term disability policy, it kicks in after 90 days to supplement your income in order to make you whole. So short, I have state disability, which starts after 10 days after you're out. Um, So that started plus like, then you can use your sick leave and your um, vacation at your job. And then, but that eventually runs out if you're not working. Right. So then after 90 days, your long-term disability policy comes in, kicks in that, you know, you just get paid a certain benefit to cover your expenses. And it's only going to cover up to 60% of your expenses, but it's pre it's uh, not taxed. So sometimes it's actually more than (laughs) what you bring home. But the incentive is like, you can't, it's not going to replace all of your income because then nobody will want to go back to work. Right, right. <laughs> That's how it works. But you right. should always have that policy in place because yes. Lord forbid you be out of work for longer uh-huh. than 90 days. But in that case, Ooh, you need yeah. something to cover your income because mm-hmm. you still got bills to pay. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. Yes. So, and this yes. applies to everyone, all of yes. us, like whether you are yes. um, side hustler, entrepreneur, full time corporate job, what have you. Um, mm-hmm. I thought this was such an important conversation. It's something that I'm working on right now. Yes. Uh, let me know if you guys want to me to share more about my journey as I, you know, finalize a plan and all of that good stuff. But I saw an entrepreneur friend who's recently going through uh, unexpected injury, mm-hmm. and you know, when we work for ourselves, it's something to think about with side hustling when you work for yourself and you are the business, right? Mm-hmm. I am the I am the podcaster. I am the content creator. If I'm down and I can't make content, then who's paying me? You know? Exactly. And so that's something that we talk about in um the last episode I think I did about disability insurance for entrepreneurs yes. is super important. Yes. So in two ways, if you've been an entrepreneur for a while, um to yeah. get a disability policy, they're gonna want to see a couple of years of um income so that they can cover you. But if you're side hustling, you use your work income to be able to cover that. Like, so if you're knowing, if you know that you're going to transition, like to be a full-time entrepreneur, it's a good time to get a lot of policies in place because it's going to be based Mm. off of like the salary that you're making at your job and it's less things that you have to prove. So just something to think about, like if you really are transitioning into full-time entrepreneurship, like get those things in place now. Nice. That's a, yeah, that's a really big tip. That's a really good tip. And, you know, something that we forgot to even touch on is you getting into podcasting, right? So just, you know, let's briefly (laughs) touch on this. So you, you had the platform, you started Mm -hmm. on Instagram, why podcasting and what makes you continue to podcast? Man, like, no lie. Like it's where I get my information from. And I really Mm -hmm. feel like, they're in the personal finance space, like it's male, pale, and stale. And I need to <laughs> hear voices like me. And you know what I'm saying? Oh like, God, I'm that's like, the first hey. time I've heard that. Male, pale, and stale. Okay. Shout out to Verna. That's the, that's my girl. She always uses okay. that. But, okay. um, yes. And so I was like, man, we need to like hear from. We need more voices like yeah. me. And, and initially I was like, well, there's no lack of 
like personal finance podcasts out there. So let me just niche down and talk, speak specifically to nurses. And when, of yeah. course, when I wanted to do my podcast, of course, I reached out to my girl, Nikayla, like, oh, yeah, we got to take this course. <laughs> you know, oh, yes, podcast mobile. Podcast mobile in the building. <laughs> yes. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I started like speaking specifically to nurses and about financial independence and nursing. But I just know that my voice is needed across the board. So recently mm-hmm. um, in December, I did a rebrand where I just kind of generalized just my, my okay. audience because I've always had yeah. the, the overarching brand, Financially Intentional. Right, but right, I just right. made it and opened it up for everyone because it really was like if you even listen to my old Nurses on Fire podcast, like there's yeah. nothing that it was specific to nurses that nobody else could mm-hmm. do. But I just yeah. thought I needed a niche. <laughs> yeah. But, you know. and sometimes you could overly niche too. Sometimes yes. you could overly niche because it's like, then you always have to find nurses. Then it always mm-hmm. has to be around a, a nurse's story. So I understand yes. the challenge with that yes. too. Yes. Yes. But you know, but I just love podcasting because like, like I, I really feel like people just need to hear different voices. And yes. there is such a void of voices like ours out there that talk mm-hmm. about this information in a digestible way. Plus there are so many barriers in personal finance. There's so much gatekeeping intentionally and unintentionally in the finance space for really simple concepts and access yeah. to things that um, ways to access things that we didn't even know was possible for us, but it's mm-hmm. right in front of us. Um, mm-hmm. But we just didn't know was there. And so right. to hear from somebody who has came from the struggle, who has gone through all those mm-hmm. things and who can keep it real with you 100 percent, I feel yes. was needed. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And <laughs> as it relates to gatekeeping, if I was to even just oversimplify it, you know, take away some of the problematic aspects of it, you know, it comes down to people share with the people they know and Mm -hmm. you're more likely to know people who look like you and hang out and you know have friends so it's being um this information is being circulated in circles that might not look like you because you're not friends with that crew so you Mm -hmm. have to find your crew and make sure that if you are that person that has that information that you're realizing that the rest of your crew doesn't have you need to start sharing that. Like you, you are missing out on a gift. You're missing out on sharing something that you're meant to share because there's a reason why you know it. There's a reason why it comes so easily to you. So I'm just thankful um, that you have this information. And like before this interview started, I was saying like, can I hit you up? Because like, (laughs) I truly, I need some more support and I need guidance from someone who has done it. And it's just, it's too much. Sometimes people are like, oh, I can just Google that. I don't know about you, but... There's a lot of stuff on Google. I I don't want to Google anymore. Like, this is why I pay for courses. I want to go to someone and I want to follow your roadmap. I want to just tell me the steps. (laughs) All right. I'm I'm mad at just tell me the steps phase of life. All right. I will follow. 100%. (laughs) But the thing is, and there's the unfortunate thing about this industry Mm -hmm. is that there's also a lot of room for people to take advantage of you. Yes. And so a lot of people are really leery. And mm-hmm. uh, I ain't got no reason to take advantage of you. I'm not a scammer. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, you, you obviously, but you have to, what, what's it called? You have to do your due diligence yes, and research. Exactly. You can't just throw exactly. money at anybody. But once you've done that, yeah. Yeah. You have to be able to trust that people are really mm-hmm. have your best interest at heart. And a lot of people, you know, unfortunately can't get past that step. But, you know, no. unfortunately, you know, for our communities, we have been historically taken advantage of financially. Yes. And yes. so there's a lot, a lot of mistrust. So mm-hmm. I get it. 
and I'm yeah. here. And so a lot of the things that I teach and talk about, I give a lot of free game because I don't want yeah. you to think that these are things that you have to pay for, but it is right. something that you have to be intentional about and actually take mm-hmm. action on. And yep. should, as long as you're doing what you got to do, I don't care if you pay me. I just want you to yeah. get the stuff in place for yourself because it's that important for you. Right. And that's yeah. another hint at why producing content is so helpful because mm-hmm. the free game that you share is actually helping people to see that you're qualified and trust you. And they, so they may yeah. not come right away, but, you know, after a year or two or listening to you, it's worth the wait to have that customer, that client that just is really rise for you. Like, no, Nikayla knows her stuff. Nasima knows yes. her stuff. And, yes. and that's that. Thank you so much. We're going to jump into the lightning round. I could go on and on, but clearly, like I said, we need a side conversation (laughs) with you. Um, So we're going to jump into a quick lightning round. You know the deal. Just answer the first thing that comes to mind. Are you ready? Ready. All right. So number one, um, what is a top resource that has helped you in your business that you can share with the Side Hustle Pro audience? Side Hustle Pro. I always turn to the game left. I need something for Rob. That's the side I got my podcast started, I got my business started from Nikayla. You right, girl. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, number two, who is a non-celebrity Black woman entrepreneur who you'd want to switch places with for a day and why? You know, I love me some my leak. Like, she's the I first person. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. And yep. it's crazy. Relatable content. <laughs> yeah, I just, I just love her. I love how she keeps her real, but very smart. Mm-hmm. She's mm-hmm. very, she's very intentionally knowledgeable. Whatever she doesn't yes. know, she like drills it down into it yes. and like gets to know it. She's always chock full of resources. I can't tell you the amount of things that I bought because my leak suggested it. <laughs> um, but I love, I love me some of my leak. We're birthday twins. Mm-hmm. She's a couple of years older than me, but you know, I just feel like she's like one of the few people that black women. I'm just like ah. I love me some money. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Relatable content. You yes. know, I feel the same. Number three, um, what's a non-negotiable part of your day these days? Um, if I am not don't feel like doing it, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a no. It's a solid no. It's a solid no. I love that. No. Uh, <laughs> number four, what's a personal habit about you that you think has significantly helped you in business? I think consistency. Um, just being able to just, even if it's just a little bit, um, yeah. a little bit is still doing something. So I'm going to consistently yes. be doing something and I'm going to be mm-hmm. consistently like working on myself. And so, yes, uh, <laughs> consistency is where yes. it's at. And finally, number five, what is your parting advice for fellow black women entrepreneurs who want to be their own boss or be a steady side hustler? but are worried about losing or compromising a steady paycheck? I think I, the, it's about taking action and mm-hmm. it's the consistency part again. Small daily actions are bigger yes. than what you think they add up to. Like we uh, we overestimate what we can do in a day, but we mm-hmm. underestimate what we can do in a year by taking small yeah. intentional actions. So just take those actions Stop with the analysis paralysis and just mm. do one thing today, right yes. now. Yes. 
Just one thing. You're so mm-hmm. right. I'm all, I'm so big on the one thing, man. <laughs> I'm so thing. big on the one thing because whenever I get overwhelmed, I have to bring it back to that. I have to say, all right, what's the one thing I want to accomplish today? And and that's it. So that's it. I'm thinking about doing a, a one thing a day challenge or something along the lines of that, you guys. Let me know if you're interested in that. that but with dope. that... Listen, thank you so much for being in the guest chair, Nasima. Where can people connect with you and Financially Intentional after this episode? So um, at most places, Financially Intentional. I'm mostly on Instagram. Just hit me up, DM me. I'm very responsive there. Um, but yeah, Financially Intentional. Um, you can find, check out all my resources there, financiallyintentional.com and the Financially Intentional podcast. Listen out, guys. It's great. All right, you guys. And there you have it. I'll talk to you next week. Thank you again, Nasima, And you guys will chat next week. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to Side Hustle Pro. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts. It helps other side hustlers just like you to find the show. And if you want to hear more from me, you can follow me on Instagram at Side Hustle Pro. Plus, sign up for my six-foot Saturday newsletter at sidehustlepro.co slash newsletter. When you sign up, you will receive weekly nuggets from me, including what I'm up to, personal lessons, and my business tip of the week. Again, that's sidehustlepro.co slash newsletter to sign up. Talk to you soon.